Hi, everybody. This is Jody Stahl. It is so great to be back here today. Um, as you can see, I have a guest with me, and I'm so happy that he's on. Um, it was like really short notice, so I want to welcome you, Jamie Walden, onto the Heavenland of Oceans, Joni Stoll's Field Notes. <laughs> and uh, so welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, so for people who don't know you, why don't you give them a little background about yourself? Sure. Uh, I mean, obviously, my name is Jamie Walden. I live in Iowa right now with my wife and three kids. I kind of have a strange background to get where the Lord's led me at in my life up to this point. So I have a kind of a rough and tumble youth and uh, joined the Marine Corps in the Marine Corps infantry for a while. And after getting out of there, I went to college and got my degree and, and was going towards the alphabet soup agencies, you know, my whole life. So I, I ended up uh, interning with the U.S. Marshals and was going secret service route, that kind of that kind of place and uh, worked as a municipal. So worked in federal law enforcement, worked in municipal law enforcement for a little while as a police officer, uh, went back to school, became a paramedic so I could do tactical EMS. And then I was a firefighter paramedic. Uh, on a on a on a city department for a long time and tech rescue hazmat all these things like that but anyways ended up um just following the lord to surrender all of that all the carnal earthly ki kingdom building pursuits and be all in for for the lord and he had to sell everything not knowing why or where or to what ends and and we ended up leaving everything all the all the uh i don't know i guess the the things that the aspirations that I had in life and, and he had to surrender it all. And we ended up in the mission field, actually in the Dominican Republic for a couple of years. So it was on returning from the Dominican Republic and seeing, getting a, a, a peek behind the veil, if you will, where we're truly at uh, spiritually as a church age, the lateness of the hour, the, like I knew how late the hour was already, right? I'd been like studying and, and researching and learning for about 10 years up to that point uh, of being called in the mission field. Um, all the inner workings of the powers of darkness, right? Spiritual wickedness in mm -hmm. high places and the powers and authorities and, and all these things that are going on and from all the Luciferian undertones and where it's all going prophetically, right? So I had like a like a pretty solid base of that of, of a decade of, of doing nothing but researching those things. But when I went to the mission field, it was it was realizing and understanding where we're at as a church age that solidified for me and my own. It's objective or I mean, it's subjective, so people can debate it all day long. But for me, it solidified it solidified truly that we are in the last church age dispensation, that we are of the Laodicean church age. Not only are we the Laodicean church age, we're at the very end of it. And that was because of the spirit and the posture of the Christian missionaries that I was around and all the missions teams that we uh, facilitated over our several years down there in the Dominican Republic, because we were a missions teams hub. So teams from every church denomination, every age group, every demographic you can think of came and operated and worked out of our facilities to go out and serve in the Dominican communities. Mm -hmm. But it, but so I got this true, like a like an actual sampling, right? Like a scientific, empirical, objective sampling of the spirit of the church, Western-centrically speaking, and it is horrifying if you actually got a peek behind the veil of where we're at so anyways it was on returning from the dominican republic that the lord burned me to write the book omega dynamics equipping a warrior class of christians for the days ahead 
because it's no longer about the days that are ahead it's the days that are here and the reason why the lord burdened me for that is be because truly i realized the depth of what christ is saying when he says when i return while i even find faith in the land and my men's hearts will fail them for fear of what they see coming up onto the earth right and when salt loses its saltiness it's good for nothing other than be trampled underfoot right and power was given to him who the beast out of the earth and the beast out of the sea to make war against the saints and to conquer them for a time so so i'm seeing all this in the scripture right and i'm realizing exactly where we're at but at the same time i realize that every letter to all the churches in revelation says but those with ears to hear let him hear what the spirit is saying those with ears to hear let him hear what the spirit is saying i know that it says in daniel 12 3 that those who are wise, it'll be the time the likes of which never has been and never will be again. But those who are wise in the Lord will lead many back to righteousness. It's going to cost you dearly, right? You're going to be put death to death uh, by the sword through it, but you will actually lead many back to righteousness. Or Daniel eleven thirty two that those who have a knowing of their God shall be strong. Uh, through the Lord and back unto the Lord and go forth and do exploits, which means daring feats of valor. And at the same time, as basically 99.9999% of professing claimants of Christ are going to be overcome, we do absolutely know that there are going to be those who are the prophetic fulfillment that overcome. So there are those who are overcome and there's those who do overcome right by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they do not fear their lives so much as they're afraid to lose it so the lord burdened me like with those with ears to hear let him hear what the spirit is saying solidify yourself in my son now grow your roots down deep now no one understand who i am now come dwell hide abide be found in the tent of meeting right like Know and understand all my promises, all my decrees, all my edicts. Know and understand the power of the covenant that I've entered into you with through through my son Jesus. Like may your testimony about who I am testify to my fame and right my renown and be jealous for my glory and for my kingdom, my namesake. And don't fear your life so much as you're afraid to lose it, because you know who's bought and paid for it. Like do that now because I got a mission set for you because of the war of the ages is culminating. There you go. How's that for an intro? That's who yeah. I am. That's what I'm all about, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I have you on. Um, you know, one thing I want to say about missions, I've always, I've never been a missionary, but like I have like dove into mission biographies, you know, all the good ones like C.T. Studd, um, of course, the Hudson Taylor, Amy Carmichael. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And the reason why I love missions is because it's the now Christian. It's what is he doing now? It's, you know what I'm saying? It's like they are, you have to be so in. And I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir for sure, because you're in situations in a third world nation where there's not the ingrained religious system norm. You're outside of that and you are in contact and it's a continual connection with Christ because really prayer is the work. It, it goes before the work. So that would tell me that you're a man that prays. Would I be correct? Like you have definitely a prayer life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 but so, so that's absolutely true of the, the missionaries of old. And obviously there's, there's always going to be faithful, vibrant, like men and women of God out there doing the work. But, but unfortunately where I, where I became so, disheartened and, and disenchanted and realizing the lateness of the hour was the spirit and posture of 
all the short-term missions teams, right? That churches always want to come down for a week or two or whatever and have their third world country kind of Disneyland experience where they can take selfies with poor people and then use it, use the name of Christ Jesus in vain to vaingloriously promote themselves about how amazing of do-gooders they are, right? That's, that's what I bore witness to. I had, so we had a different team down every week, almost every week, for the two years straight that I was in the mission field down there, so you're talking, we'll say 100 teams, right? 90 to 100 different churches. I'm talking from youth groups to college age to sports groups to women's groups to men's groups to church groups across every denomination. There was one, one church in two years out of 100 churches coming down to the Dominican Republic that I heard use the name of Jesus. Wow. One. Wow. One. There, I, I had to lead their devotions a lot of the mornings. I had to do the whatever because I was, you know, I, I, I worked for this mission organization down there. It was horrific. Not to mention in general, general, this is a generality, the, the posture of 95% of the other missionaries that I was serving with full time down there is the same thing. It was carnal, 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 carnal. It had nothing to do with the Lord, had nothing to do with the word, had nothing to do with the fear of the Lord. It was all about them all the time. And they were using the name of Christ Jesus in vain to justify feeding their flesh in whatever way they could possibly figure out how to feed their flesh from, from infidelities and affairs to narcissism, to vainglory, to greed and money upon money upon money it was everything was always driven about money in this mission organization and, uh, and to, to religiosity and false pretense. I mean, it was just, it was horrifying. It was absolutely horrifying. I'm going, Whoa, Lord, what in the world's going on? You know, I would, I guess I was under the faulty assumption which David prays, you know, keep back your servant from the sin of presumption. Let it not have dominion over me. I had <laughs> presumption, you know, I was very presumptuous that those who would be in the mission field, probably the Lord had done some cool work in their life up to that point, right? There'd been some reduction and some crushing and like dying to self, like something would have, the Lord must have been stirring something to even draw them out from you know, the comfortableness of the American paradigm or, or the American reality to get them to that point, to even be willing to go into the mission field and to sacrificially have to humble themselves and, and raise support and do all these things, right? Like I was under that presumption and it was the complete polar opposite. I, I saw women down there uh, turn into openly professing lesbians while they're in the mission field with one another. I saw infidelity. I saw uh, uh, doctrinal errors that like you can't even you can't even put words to. And I saw the CEOs because because it wasn't just our mission organization, right? Like you're serving on this island, so obviously all the other mission organizations talk to one another. Like you're Americans, right? So everybody's like getting connected. You're in the missionary network. It was always about greed. It was always about money and it was always about hidden uh, perversions. It was insane. It was like, it was like a de facto burning man uh, festival down there. Insane, insane. And all yeah. using the name of Jesus. So anyways, I don't know why we're talking about that, but just it's to okay. give context for, for, yeah. for why my passion is the body of Christ, not the claimant to Christ, the true authentic 
born again body of Christ that is poured out sacrificially, that has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches that are hungering and thirsting for righteousness because we absolutely know that the Lord will satisfy that hunger. Well, he doesn't say come and, you know, eat of, <laughs> you know, who give meat to the full. Um, mm -hmm. So that was an excellent build up to what um, is coming next, because I absolutely have heard tons of stories like yours from other people who have gone into that mission field with that same fervor, like I'm going to do this. They have this idea. Their heart is pure. They're full. They go there and they're like, it was the worst absolute experience I ever saw. And they said the same things you did. Now, I want to talk about where we're at as a people. And, you know, I mean, of course, we can classify people and say, okay, we have the lost. We have the carnal Christians, because let's face it, you and I both know this, even if we never met each other, you and I both know, and everybody that's listening or will listen to this knows that there is what I refer to as thin version Christianity, right? It's rank and file Christianity. It's a system that is, it's really a galvanized corpse of what the original that God had in mind. Yes, there's development of, you know, I don't know, man and stuff. But the point I'm saying is we are looking at our nation right now. Um, let me preface this before I go further. Real quick, I, I don't mean to cut off your train of thought, but can you see me okay? Because like it's basically a frozen screen and all blurry. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, it works itself out after. <laughs> after. Yeah. So, bad. so sorry, you guys, if the you're seeing something that may not be good, but basically like when by the time I, like it gets a little blurry here and there. So sorry, you guys, it's Skype. I got to learn how to do Zoom. No, I um, was just curious. I wasn't sure if it was, if you could see me on your end or anything. Oh, yeah. Um. Okay, so I believe, like we were talking earlier about time, right? Like time is currency. This isn't 100 years ago. This isn't 1950. This is today, okay? Everything has, there's been a buildup to right now. And it's almost ad nauseum, really. When you look at the church system, how much really can we discuss about it, right? Like it's ad nauseum. We could discuss all day long the absolute epic failure of this. And it became a system. But there are some, like I said, there is a lot in every Sodom, right? Like there yeah. are people God has everywhere. So share with us. And, you know, I know you shared some things that are not, I'm not saying you got to say all that stuff. I don't know who that was for exactly. And I don't want to, you, I, I want you to just, I think people are like, we're pretty much knowing what's going to happen. We can read the writing on the wall. We study. We know our eschatology pretty darn well. Um, but what would you say to all of us? Because you have such a strong way of saying this is what's happening, but this is what God is doing. And we're hungry. We want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's hard. It's like like you said, it's hard to know where to go because it is ad nauseum, right? It, it's huge. You know, I had a. Uh, I had um, people near and dear to us just proclaiming, and again, using the name of, of God in vain, using the name of Christ in vain, 
that the only godly thing to do is to vote for Biden and vote for the Democrats, regardless of their massacre of children and their ritualistic sacrifice to Moloch, right? Mm -hmm. And their worship of Maimom and their Babylonian money magic systems and the fact that they've perpetrated genocide. Uh, the, the State Department that's alive to this day has perpetrated genocide from Rwanda to the Balkans to the Ukraine, right, to the Arab Spring, and now what we have, the American Spring, which is all being perpetrated by these guys. I mean, not to mention the legislation of lawlessness, right, and the normalization of pedophilia. They're not going to normalize pedophilia. They're going to legislate that you partake in pedophilia. So I'm having Christian people over and over again, including pastors, proclaiming that you have a God-given duty to vote Democrat because they support social justice systems, and so does Jesus. And Trump's a bad man, bad, bad man. And so, so this is the strong delusions, right? This is, this is the way of truth coming into disrepute. This is not tolerating sound doctrines. This is having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof. This is loving the world and the things of the Lord uh, of the world, therefore testifying that the love of the Father is not in him. This is saying, yeah, I love Jesus, but not obeying his commands and decree, equaling that you are actually a liar and the truth isn't in you, right? This is the prophetic fulfillment. That's what I'm talking about, the spirit of the church age, right? The spirit of the church age is is so detestable, it's not even funny. And that's from the NAR movement, and that's from the social justice movement, and that's from Hebraic roots. That's a lot of people that are deep, deep, deep in Hebraic roots, I know personally, are now denying Christ because they say, God, that's an idol. You shall have no other gods before him. So they actually go so far down the Hebraic roots trail that they end up denying Christ, right? Like, I mean, it's like every whim and air of doctor that you, doctrine that you can imagine is infiltrating us right now, including the undergirding of the ritualistic sacrifice and bloodletting of the least of these, right? Of the innocence, of the innocence of, of our globe. So I digress. What, what's that mean for us? Where are we at? Like, I was just reading out loud to my buddy last night in Jeremiah 5. I'm like, the Lord is going to judge this nation and in particular the church outright. Like, it's outright coming down the pipeline. And in fact, like Jeremiah 5 says, he's like, hey, man, I, I struck them. I struck them time and time again, but they refused correction. I crushed them, but they refused to repent. It's like all these things the Lord keeps striking. I mean, look, Barack Obama was president, right? They put a hologram of a rainbow flag and open an open middle finger to the God of the Holy One of Israel across our national capital, right? And the Christians have done nothing other than eat more of the flesh, more of the world, more of the flesh. Like all these things are judgments and he's crushed us and struck us and there's no repentance. So what we have now is like, right? If a salt, if a salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing other than what? To be trampled underfoot. What do we have coming next? We are going to be utterly, utterly trampled underfoot. The Lord says, I bring a nation against you whose language you do not know. They're even more wicked than you. Uh, their own strength is their God. They're going to live in the houses that you built. They're going to destroy your sons. Your men will be, your fighting men will be like, uh, like women on that day, right? I'm paraphrasing all kinds of scriptures across the whole board. They're going to ravage your your women. They're going to eat from your vineyards, right? Like the, I'm going to silence all your singing. I'm going to silence all your merriment. And all you who say, I'll never be a widow. I'll never see shame. We'll never see the sword. He's like in a single day, in a single moment, in a single hour, this is what you can expect. So what does that mean for us, right? So that, that's what I, that's what I am assuring you is, is I, I, 
I'm assuring you that that's what's next because that's what God's laid out for every mm-hmm. wicked nation. And by the way, I, my background is in history, like my degrees in history, as well as law enforcement doing mm-hmm. all that other, that other, the other cool guy stuff. Um, comparative history, there has never, never been a nation as wicked as the United States of America. I've done comparative history. We make Rome at the peak of its licentiousness look like look like a moral uh, bastion compared to what we are as the United States of America. The American Christians have no clue what's coming next because they don't want it, right? They say, this is again, scriptural, uh, Isaiah 30, prophesy illusions, tell us pleasant things, get off the way, just do not confront me with the Holy One of Israel. That's the church saying that. That's the church who says, we're wealthy and in need of nothing. We're crushing it for Jesus. Look at how look at how affluent the church is. Look at our influence. Look at our satellite campuses. Look at how we vaingloriously can simulcast our face everywhere. Look at our look at our mega ministries, right? And our and our mega churches. We're we're wealthy and in need of nothing. And yet God says, No, you're actually wretched. You're pitiful. You're poor, blind, and naked. I'm going to violently vomit you out of my mouth, and I'm counseling you. You better repent and start purchasing things from me, right? And like he says in, in another letter to a church, he says, you better repent, but if you do, don't, I myself am coming to make war against you. Like, that's the king of glory, right? Like, Messiah ben David, the conquering king, is speaking that over his very church, his people. I'm going to come fight against you, just so you know. And it's like, like Paul wrote in the epistles, like, look, if judgment begins in the house of the Lord, and if the Lord is dealing with his church first and foremost, right, to purify, to sanctify, to refine, to, to do business with, to judge, how much worse for the unbelieving world? Like, this is what's going down, right? Judgment always begins in the house of the Lord first. So, so what's that mean for us? That means that those with ears to hear, hear what the Lord is saying. Joshua 7, the sin of Achan. You cannot stand against your enemies until you re- remove the devoted things from among you, right? There is some devoted things, things that ought to be consecrated to the Lord that we have squirreled away in our tents thinking that the Lord is not going to see. And he says, you have been made liable for destruction on the field of battle until you remove them. Stand up today and consecrate yourselves today for you have been made liable to destruction and you cannot stand against your enemies till you remove them. So like that's first and foremost, we had, like in the days of Nehemiah, like in the days of Ezra, we need to, to the individual, begin repairing the broken down walls in front of our own houses first, right? Trowel in one hand, sword in the other, going, man, I, I've grown so accustomed to the rubble, right? The sin, the carnality in my own lives, the double-mindedness, the carnal pursuits, the, the, the not, not having an eternal mindset and a kingdom mindset and, and being jealous for the glory and the holiness of the Lord and, and his son, Christ Jesus, who bought us with his very life. Like, I need to start making repairs to this wall because the enemy's just coming in unabated. So like this is the posture that we need to take. And as we begin to do that, right, we solidify ourselves in Christ Jesus. We actually start knowing and understanding this beautiful, radiant, radical mission set that he has for those with ears to hear. Like it's a mission set that's untouched. It's 
unbelievable the mission set that he's given those with ears to hear. Like if we would only just appropriate it by faith and go, Lord, it has nothing to do with my strength, with the strength of my faith. It has everything to do with you, the object mm -hmm. of my faith and your glory and your holiness and your promises. And you will break the teeth of the wicked and you will break their arm. And when they're cut off from the world, we will see it and you will make our enemies and your enemies uh, 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 ashes under the soles of our feet. And you actually have given us all power, not some, but all power, right? To trample on these things and over every power of the enemy. And there are those who do have a knowing of you, right? Not let the wise man boast in his wisdom or the rich man boast in his riches or the strong man boast in his strength, but let the one who boasts boast in this, that he has understanding to know me, like that there would be some of these of our brothers and sisters that boast that they have a knowing of the Lord that would actually have such an intimate knowing of God and his holiness and his justice and his judgment and his love and his mercy and his compassion and his forbearance and his, and his longing to forgive that we would charge out even in the face of a Nephilimic freak show and say, who the freak are you to defy my God? You know, yeah. like that's the warrior spirit. Like, you yeah. come at me with sword and spear, boy. I'm coming at you in the name of the of the of, of the name the name of the Holy One of Israel, Yahweh Elohim, the Lord God Almighty, through His Son Christ Jesus. Like you want me to be afraid, you ought to fear uh, the the dread of the Lord fall upon you in the name of Jesus Christ. Like I've not been given a spirit of fear. I've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And there's nothing that's going to separate me from the love of God. Not you, not your systems, not your vaccinations, not your, not your, uh, not your nanotech, not your Luciferian world order. Nothing is going to separate me from the love of, of God that he has already shown me in his son, Christ Jesus. You better fear this day because the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Like that is the spirit and the posture of the redeemed of the Lord. Amen. You said it exactly right. And, you know, I do believe that, um, you know, we spoke yesterday. Remember, I was I said something like he's just looking for a man like he's not like I need 20 people to show up here in a group. And if I don't have a group, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, look what he called Joshua. He said, you're a brand plucked out of the fire. That's it. You're a brand plucked out of the fire. You know, I think about Joel chapter two, you know, it says they will run like men with torches. You know, I think about the prophets of old. Look how they ran up and down the mountains of Judea. I mean, look at these people. Look at these people. And you know, a lot of people go, well, you know, that was in the ancient of days and they had a special anointing and they had this and that. It's like, yeah, well, they're gone and off the earth right now. And we're here now. Okay. Right. So. Like you, Jamie, I have, I mean, I don't want to speak about myself, but just to say this real quick, and I know there's so many others that feel like me that are like, look, we're not pew sitters. We're not comfortable just sitting and listening. We're devoted. We have our time with Christ, but we're the ones that go. We want to go, whatever that is. Um, but you're a go Christian too, because you go. And I believe it works that way. When you go, he goes with you. Um, it's not like laying on your face for 12 days. I need more anointing, more anointing says anointing that's already in you. You know, he talked about that, but I saw you looking something up in your Bible. So I want you to finish what you were saying. So. Yeah, no, I, I mean, there, there's a, I, I was just thinking about how people say, well, that was for the ancient, that was for Israel, that was forever. And it's like, it's like, I reject that outright. Well, I've already quoted those who know their God, right? Well, go, go forth. 
they'll go forth, right? So like I say all the time, the time of the time of shutting yourself in your prayer closet, waiting for the wrath of God to pass you by, that's over. Yeah. Look at look at the red letter words of Jesus Christ, right? Luke 21. He's like, hey, 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 you know, rabbi, what will be the signs of the of the time, you know, and of your coming? And Jesus goes down his litany of stuff like, like, hey, uh, see to it that you're not alarmed, but here's what you're gonna expect. Boom, 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 boom. He marches down and says, oh, and you're going to be handed over to be persecuted. And you're going to be put to death for my namesake, right? And he goes down all this litany of stuff, which we can see literally breaking out right now in our corporate reality. And what was his response to all that? He didn't say, so go shut yourself up and pray for the outpouring of my spirit and an anointing. He didn't say that. He goes, when you begin to see all these things happening, stand up and look up because your redemption draws nigh. Stand up. How about Isaiah 60, one and two? And I've heard, I mean, I've gotten so many nasty grants from people. Oh, that was for Israel. You can't appropriate that for the church. I'm like, boy, you better believe I've been grafted in. I was a wild olive branch. I'm grafted <laughs> in. I know my God. Don't tell me what I should and should not appropriate. I know my God. He is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And you better take note and see my courage and take note that I've been spending time with Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And I said, Isaiah 60, 1 and 2, he doesn't say cower and hide and tremble and fear and woe is me. They might come and force me in to XYZ system because of coronavirus. It doesn't say that. It says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is over you. When darkness is over the earth and thick darkness is over the people, you arise and shine for my glory has arisen upon you. Standing up, getting up, standing out, going forth, doing right. Like redeem the time, making the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. Be wise, not unwise, discerning the time, right? Like redeem the time for the days of evil. You were once in darkness. Now you're in light. So act like it. Like, act like you actually believe that Christ was sufficient to cover your sins. Act like you actually believe that as he overcame and was seated at the right hand of the Father, he has promised you to those who overcome, you too will sit with him at the right hand of the Father. Act like, live out from a knowing of your God. When he says, and nothing will by any means hurt you, believe it. When he says, Colossians 1, you have been, past tense, delivered from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son he loves. Do you believe it? Or do you just say these things, right? Like that's the knowing of my God. When he says, do not love your life so much as you're afraid to lose it because you will not be hurt by the second death. You go, God, I believe you. Like you bought and paid for it with something imperishable, something invaluable, the blood of your son. Like you withheld nothing from me, not even the king of glory, your son himself. What in the world are you gonna withhold from me? Like live out from if we actually believe it. And so for people to say, yeah, those things aren't really relevant anymore. And I go, well, yeah, I mean, you can walk in that. But that's why it says without faith, it's impossible to please God and my righteous ones will live by faith. Oh, and if you shrink back, he will be displeased with you. But we're not of those who shrink back, right? We're those who believe or say, how about Philippians 1? I eagerly expect and hope that in no way I'll be ashamed, but that now as always, I will have sufficient courage. Why? So that Christ will be exalted in me, whether by life or by death. And then Paul goes on to say, do not be frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Uh, uh, and that will testify to the fact that they're going to be destroyed, but that you, that you're going to be saved. You see how all this is born out 
from an identity yeah. in Christ alone. It's born out from an identity in Christ alone. So if your identity is in anything else, if your identity is in your woundings, if your identity is in your failings, if your identity is in having been sexually abused, right? if your identity is in failed marriages, if your identity is in, 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 uh, in uh, uh, returning to, to, to the vomit of different sin behaviors, if your identity is in anything, if your identity is in your 401k, your IRA, your job, your validation right from, from men, the accolades of men, if your identity is in your ministries or whatever, if your identity is in anything other than Christ, I assure you, by the word of God, you will be overcome. You will be. Not only will you be <laughs> overcome, you're actually under a curse. Jeremiah 17. Cursed is the one whose confidence is in men, whose strength is in the flesh. You're, it's, even in yourself, even self-reliancy, it said you're cursed because your strength is in yourself, right? Your, your confidence yeah. and your validation comes from men and from the things of this world. You're cursed. But guess what he goes on to say? It's a good word. But Blessed is the one whose confidence is in the Lord. He will be like a tree planted beside a stream whose roots grow down deep, right? I think that's the stream of living water. Yeah, when, the, when the dry winds come, his leaves are always green. Even in a year of drought, he never fails to produce fruit. Blessing and curse always set before us, right? Blessing and curses. Okay, I digress. This is what I was going to read. <laughs> uh, Habakkuk 3, and I, and I think we talked about this last night. Um, Habakkuk 3, Lord, th and this is my posture, and this is what I'm praying for those with ears to hear right now in this generation. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known, and in wrath, remember mercy. Like, I know how God acts on behalf of his people. I know how God acts on behalf of wicked nations. I know how God acts against an apostate people his people, a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people all of his own when they rebel against him. I, I know how he does, but I also know his loving kindness. I know his mercy. I know his graciousness that he pours out, right? I know these things about him. And I know that he can literally route, throw confusion into the camp of the Philistines and route them just by me worshiping, right? Second Chronicles Second Chronicles 20 with Jehoshaphat. I know that me and 300 dudes and brothers and sisters could show up and watch the Lord go before us and give us the victory and rout an enemy. I know he can deliver Nephilimic superstructures and put, the, put his dread on the people before I even enter into an area. I know that that's what he does. <clears throat> I, I know the power of his spirit in the church of Acts when the church was just burgeoning and testifying to what Christ had just done and what he had taught him, how it spread throughout the whole earth and flipped up, upside down. So I say, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand of all of your deeds. Renew them in my day and our time make it known and in your wrath remember mercy because I know who he is, right? You know, I want to ask you a question about something um, because you have missionary experience and you've been abroad into Islamic nations. Um, last year, uh, Dalton Thomas put out a, uh, and Joel Richardson put out a film called Sheep Among Wolves. Did you ever get a chance to see that? No, I haven't. Oh, man. You need to watch it. It's potent. It's two parts, but the, my second part's my favorite. And it was so powerfully done because what it was about is about is that Iran happens to be the fastest growing Christian nation, like fastest growing Christians. Yeah, it is. Yep. Same with Afghanistan. And it said that 
Um, I mean, you watch it on your own time. I don't want to completely talk about it, but there's something happening over there. And it's absolutely notable. 55% of it is comprised of women. You know, they are fearless because they live every day of their life. You know this more than I because you spent time over there. But um, they live all their life, even being good, good, good Muslims, that they could die at any time for any given reason, right? Yeah. So they're like, well, we're dead already because that's how they've been ingrained to live. There is a power happening in them. And what I saw was God, like Dalton Thomas put it, he said, what God is doing right now is he is striking a blow to dead religion. So Amen. how would you? Amen. Absolutely. That, that's what, and that's what's going on in our nation right now. And that's why it doesn't bother me. I praise God. He's sifting. Like finally, I'm beginning to be able to rightly discern who's a brother or sister and who's not. Because everybody's been playing Christian. Right. I mean, the people in the, I'm not talking about the people outside of it. We're not to judge those outside of the church. Right. We're to judge those inside the church. We're not to judge. A, I'm talking about the ones that I've been in church with for 15 years. Right. That 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 you're in Bible studies and home groups and you go to fellowship gatherings and things like that together like this. I, I, this all this coronavirus, social justice, you know, uh, uh, neo paganism. Uh, that that they're eating the apples. So like they're like, the church is totally like Eve, right? What's it say about the apple? She saw that it was good and pleasurable and acceptable or something to the eye. Like there's like three things that it says that she noticed about the fruit. And it was all because it was going to satisfy her flesh on three different levels. It was going to satisfy her flesh. That's what the church has done with every single aspect of the world that the world could possibly offer it. I mean, look at the churches. They're just corporations, which is carnal, which is Babylonian money magic, which is, you know, the pride of the eyes, the, the lust of the flesh, the boasting of what he has and what he does. I mean, literally the church is founded on that principle. It's disgusting, right? And, um, and so I see what's going on right now in this nation as as a uh, as a uh, as difficult as it is as a blessing the lord is sifting he promised right a launderer's a launderer's soap or a refiner's fire he says in malachi right malachi 3 16 through 4 3 it says uh, uh then those who fear the lord were found talking with one another right i want to be found just sitting around talking about the lord with other people who fear the lord yeah and he's like and the lord heard and the Lord listened and a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who revered him and those who feared him. And he says, they will make up my treasured possession in that day, in the day of the Lord. Right. And he says, and I will honor them just as a man honors the son who serves him. And finally, again, finally, 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 you will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. It's like we're finally being able again, to distinguish the, the wheat and the tare have been growing up together for so long. Finally, the, the grains, right? The, the heads of the grains on the ends of, of, of that, of that, uh, uh, produce is starting to show. And finally we can distinguish because we've been growing up together for so long. And, and all these little pressures by the God, by the God, the, all these little pressures by God are starting mm -hmm. to finally be able to distinguish what's going on. And we, and what we have to remember is this is globally, this isn't just the United States of America. This is a global supernatural phenomenon that's occurring. This is there's a global collective conscious that's being formed here, which has never happened in all of history, except for at the Tower of Babel or in the days of Noah, when ev when every man's thought was only evil continually and the whole earth was filled with violence, right? 
So what do we see right now? Almost, we're almost to the point of how it was in the days of Noah. All violence is filling the whole earth and every man's thought is almost only evil continually, you know? So, and obviously there's layers to that, to the uh, yeah. uh, Genesis six narrative. I, which I, I do believe there's the literal interpretation of the Nephilim and, you know, the sons of men, mm-hmm. so, sons of God and all that coming back onto the earth. I believe that's all relevant to the B system and the antichrist and all that. But just speaking tangibly where we're at right now, the evil the only thoughts, evil only continually, and violence filling the whole earth. Like, we're there. We're there. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, there's a scripture in Revelation chapter 9. It says, and the nations were angry. Just that little that little portion right there. Have you ever in your whole life ever seen the whole world, all the nations, this angry? Mm-hmm. I've never seen anger, this epic murderous anger the murdering have you ever seen murdering no murdering is like it's off the charts murdering yeah it is it's murder i mean and and you know that's what's interesting about which i don't believe the seals have been broken that's fine if if people do i I mean i don't think the seals have been broken yet in revelation (laughs) but remember when the red horse rides he's given power to take peace from the earth to take, to literally remove, see, there's still semblance of peace, right? Because you and I are talking right now. So the seals mm-hmm. haven't been broken yet because literal peace is taken from the earth. And it and it says, and people go out and slaughter one another. Like that's, this is the crescent, this is the crescendo, right? This is the building, for lack of a better word, this is terraforming, all this violence, all this hatred, all this murder, all this dissension. It's terraforming the earth. For the beast of the sea to rise up, so then the beast of the earth can rise up, and they can do what what we've been foretold they're going to do. Right? Uh, this is it's actually terraforming the earth. It's making it an inhabitable pla- habitable place for all these, uh, you know, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places and and powers and authorities and principalities to come back onto the earth to rule and reign over humanity. Why? Well, I tell you what. My opinion is that it's all centered on the church. That's why. And the reason why I say that is because it says the man of lawlessness, the man of sin himself, the very embodiment of lawlessness cannot come onto the scene until the great apostasy occurs first. The great falling away, the formal revolt or or defection from the faith occurs first. The only thing that has been stopping the breakout of all this has been a vibrant people who know their God from Christ ascension, right? From the first century Christians up until now. That's that's why all of it's breaking out now is because there is no vibrant, radiant church that's standing against the evil. In fact, they are partners with them. They fellowship with darkness. They eat at the table. Of, they drink from the cup of demons in the cup of Christ at, at, at the same time. They have fellow. They have uh, uh, lawlessness and righteousness think they can fellowship. Uh, 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 the Southern Baptist Convention and the Gospel Coalition and the Social Justice Movement. They literally, the church is undergirding lawlessness. They're in fellowship with them. So the great apostasia is well underway, which again is terraforming the earth for what we're going to see next, which is slaughter, wholesale slaughter, you know, over uh, and violence and wickedness without, without uh, restraint. You know, um, I'm going to ask you this question, and I want your thoughts on this. Uh, my thought on this, and I'll make it brief because I want your thoughts on it, is everybody's looking for this grand uh, shore-to-shore 
uh, north, south, east, west, everybody fall on their face and prostrate themselves in repentance. I do not see that happening. I don't ever see that happening because there's nowhere written in the word that the entire, this nation needs to repent. It's like this nation is past the point of repentance. I do believe people individually will come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and they will repent. Can we do that? Ezra, the Nehemiah, the uh, Daniel, all three chapters, all, all of those are chapter nines of the prayer. Lord, you know, praying over the sins of the nation. Yeah. Um, God has a plan. He has a redemption plan. He has a time. You know, okay, and here's the one I'm going to use, and I'll shut up. Uh, remember, it says, Jesus says, for the gospel must be preached unto all nations and then come at the end. The then is the operative word, right? Because we know that all the way through the millennial reign, people still have to be born again. Yeah. Um, so the then tells me there's a measuring line, right? Because people are going to still be getting saved through the tribulation period. People are going to still be needing to get all. That's all the first resurrection. Right. Yeah. But there's the then right? Then come at the end. There is a point where he says, okay, this is, do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I am in total agreement with your statement about revival. To me, revival is an anathema because it's emotionally predatory. That's why I can't stand the use of the word revival. I think it's emotionally yeah. predatory. It, it, it's, it's specifically designed to give you a warm fuzzy, right? To make you, and, and even, uh, and, and I'm not saying this to be offensive. So please, please listeners like use it in context. Even the use of the word remnant is it's emotionally predatory, you know, because I'll, off more often than not, the word remnant is being used to self glorify and say, I'm, I'm in a special class and it's to look down your nose and religiosity and self-righteousness at other people. It's not being used in its proper context. The Lord determines who the remnant is, right? And generally that remnant's going to suffer greatly. Remember it was the remnant that God led in captivity into Babylon. It was those who had been faithful. He actually had a conquering army come, put them in fetters, rusted fetters, and lead them into a pagan nation under bondage, that was his favor so that all those who were left in Jerusalem, he could obliterate outright. So you got, you got to understand what you're using when you're using the word remnant. It's not, it gets used again in a lot of the, the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, you know, kind of uh, the new apostolic reformation language as an emotionally predatory thing. Uh, uh, just let's just deal with it the way the Lord deals with it. Same thing with the revival. You can't revive something that's dead. The church mm -hmm. is dead. Mm -hmm. So the church needs a resurrection. The resurrection is a person. It's a person of Jesus Christ. You, it's so, so you can't have, you can't re, to revive something means that there's still life left in it. Right. Remember, remember God, our Christ Jesus actually already spoke over, over the, uh, the Laodicean church age, the last church age that they're neither hot nor cold. So they're not good for anything other than to be spit out my, my mouth. Like there's nothing in them that I can use. So I just spit them out. There's nothing in them I can use. You know, but at the same time, as that is occurring, there are those who do have a knowing other Lord. And he goes, listen, I got a mission set for you. Turn many back to righteousness. Oh, let's go back to the days of Noah. Here's another layer. to. There's lots of layers to the days of Noah. What was Noah? He was a preacher of righteousness. 
-hmm. He's one of the very few people that that's spoken of. He was a preacher of righteousness, not love, not uh, 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 friendliness, which that's what we reduce the gospel to is friendliness and kindness, right? That's not what Noah was a preacher of. He was a preacher of righteousness. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall be the son of man. Talks about in Daniel 12, about those who have a knowing other God are wise and they lead many back to righteousness. And he says, and they will shine like the vast expanse in heaven forever and ever. How, like, we got a cool mission set, right? That's amazing. Hey, is it going to cost us our life? You better, you better count on it. You better count on it costing your temporal life. But they're light and momentary troubles compared to an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So I don't fix my eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is you know, eternal. Or uh, the future glory is not worth comparing to what we're going to experience, right? As Paul says over and over and over again, he's like, he's like eternal mindset, eternal mindset. Fix your eyes on Christ Jesus. Fix your eyes on Christ Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So for the joy set before you, endure all these things. Don't love your life so much as you're afraid to lose it. Remember the hope. Remember the inheritance. Remember that it's being guarded and protected in heaven for you. Remember that God is going to guard you by his power to that inheritance. First Peter 1, like, remember these things, church. That's what every single epistle is speaking to. That's what the entire New Testament was centered on. It wasn't centered on, on it, I mean, it is. Don't, again, don't skew my words. Like they dealt with the cross a little bit. The New Testament does. What mm -hmm. it deals with mostly is, is a kingdom mindset because of your identity in Christ Jesus. It deals with the empty tomb. That's what all the epistles are doing. It, 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 it's referencing the cross, right? It's the power of God. We know the cross is the power of God. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, perishing, but to those who have life, it's the very power of God. But what it's focusing on is now you, because the tomb is empty, this is your identity. Act like it. This is the ring that's on your finger. This is a cloak that's on your back. This is a family name that you bear. Act like it. This is the warfare that's going on, but here's your position in the warfare, advance the kingdom, right? So when you look at the epistles through that lens, you go, oh, we're good to go. All right, yeah. we're good to go, man. Not only are we good to go, but like, like we got work to be done, right? Work while it's, while it's yet light, like there's, there's activity going on and not, not like a striving, right? Not a striving and building programs and trying to build platforms and doing these things, you know, but it's like, it's an activity that's born out from a surrenderedness and an entrustedness and a stillness and a quietness and a knowing of the Lord. So when he says sit, you sit. When he says stand, you stand. When he says speak, you speak. When he says I'm going to bind you like a strong man in your house so you can't rebuke the people like he told Ezekiel, let him restrain you. When he says dwell in obscurity, do it. When he says I'll, I'll exalt you for a time that you would proclaim my righteousness, you better do it. Whatever it is, it's a knowing of the Lord that you're so unrestrained in obedience to him out from out from a deep guttural authentic love for him because he first loved you that you're mm -hmm. like, Lord, take it all. I don't know what to do. I'm not wise. You are. I'm not strong. God, you are. I can't stand against this enemy. You can. Right. Like I'm weak and feeble minded. You're not. I'm double-minded and like a sheep, I go astray. You don't. Lord, your faithfulness is my shield and buckler. So what would you have me do, Lord? Because you're going you're gonna to be faithful to me. So, so like the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him, right? 
So what most people do is they spend their life going, Lord, give me strength to be committed to you. Lord, give me strength to be committed to you. Oh, if I just had the strength to be committed to you. And he's like, did you hear what I said? I said, I strengthen those who are fully committed. You fully commit first, and then I will strengthen you for the mission set that I've foreknown you for. But we always flip-flop it, right? So you know, yeah, you know, it says, commit thy works into the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. That tells me just start doing it, and then everything will follow, you know. Um, you know, I know that we're coming up just in my own personal research, which we don't have to break down, but I'm just saying. In my own personal research um, and just looking at what's going on, combined with a good eschatology background, a good understanding what's going on, um, you know, it, you know what I mean, like braiding it all together. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. we're going into an epic, like you spoke about, a gross darkness, and largely what I have seen, like you have spelled it out so perfectly is if we have watched a, I mean, and when I say watch, I'm talking about like even a historical understanding through the millennia is a, we, I mean, let's just say the last 50 years, let me just take the last 50 years in hand. Okay. So the last 50 years, we have seen an absolute weakening of the body of Christ. They, they don't remember, remember when the Pharisees said, who, who is this that's speaking these things? For he speaketh as one that has authority and not like the scribes. And there was an authority that was, it's otherworldly. And so, so we have this rank and file. And I don't mean to be, I'm not looking down my nose. I'm just saying my obs- observationally speaking. Sure. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. It's not like you can't even have a conversation with somebody when they say, um, and you want to, right? Like you're alive, you want to connect, you want to talk about the Lord. And they'll be like, the first thing they ask you is, so what church do you go to? Right then, it's just like, well, I'm not in a church. I worship at home. And then all of a sudden, there's a divide. There is a divide. And so we see this mat, the masses over here that say, well, I'm in a church Therefore, and then there's those of us, which was called, I mean, it really was a great exodus, Jamie, over the last 10 years of people saying, and they're, and they're all powerful, mature Christians, okay, that said, we've tried to hang on. I know, I remember trying to hang on, Jamie, like, what do you mean? And I knew the Lord was telling me to go, but I was like, I don't know, I, I'll just, well, I, I like the music, uh, uh, I'll just stay in, I, and the Lord was like pressing me and pressing me. And so there's a mil- thousands, millions of people all over the world because a lot of people that watch this show, they're watching from Scotland, Ireland, Belgium, Switzerland, Germany, New Zealand, Australia, Africa. I mean, I'm telling you the Middle East, there's people that watch this show and they are literally saying, ironically, the same thing. They're like, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's it's global. Like what's going on to the negative consequence and what's going on to the positive consequence is global. It's a and, and our church story is almost the same as yours. It was like we tried, we tried, we tried to forbear love, you know, mercy triumphs judgment and endure and endure and endure. And of course it's all messing. And, the, and, and we're all messing. We all have, have the failings, right? And there's secret doctrines of demons that are warming their way in there, trying to bring the way of truth and disrepute. But eventually we did get to the point where it's like, we literally can't walk together. Like we are not seeking after the same God. 
We're not reading the same scripture. We're not reading the same. I don't know what's going on. Like we literally cannot walk together unless two in agreement. How can they walk together? And it, and it, and it, it is, it is woeful and burdensome. I mean, it truly is again, speaking to, to me, I can look objectively at the signs of the times, right? The volcanism, the earthquakes in diverse places, ethnos against ethnos, the wars and rumors of wars, right? The emerging technologies, uh, the radical increase, Israel becoming a nation, 1948, Balfour Declaration and white papers and all this. Like I can, I can look at the the global governance, the uh, the counterfeit uh, omnipresence that's being created with technology, the counterfeit omniscience, right? These control mechanisms, the blockchain technology was is creating a global digital currency that you can't buy or sell unless you give allegiance, right, to the governments and stuff like that. So I can look at all that ob objectively and go, okay, I got a pretty good, uh, a pretty good working parameters to 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 make a, an educated speculation that we're way down the prophetic timeline. But I'm telling you, hands down to me, it is the spirit of the church that tells me how far we are down. They, we absolutely have the form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. We come forward with wise and persuasive words, but no power of God, right? We surround ourselves with all the great teachers, all the Tim Kellers of the world, telling us what our itching ears want to hear. And that works to even like the truther movement too. That's true. That that's it's not that's the spirit of the age. So that mm -hmm. again, it doesn't matter if it's Nar, a Hillsong, Bethel Ilk, if it's social justice, if it's you know this movement, that movement, New Age movement, Apostle movement, the Hebraic roots movement. It's the spirit of the age. Each one of those movements surrounds themselves with great teachers, telling them what they want to hear. Always, always learning, a wealth of learning, but never able to come to the understanding of the truth, because the truth is the person of Jesus Christ. The truth is the righteousness and the holiness of God as revealed through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what they don't want to deal with. That's And so so that's what I see as being at like, like it's I don't know how to even engage mm -hmm. my brothers and sisters anymore. And listen, I know their salvation's intact. That's by Christ's work on the cross. So no man can boast. I'm not diminishing their salvation at all. Woe to you if you do. That's between them and the Lord. But what I can tell you by the fruit borne out is that they are under strong delusions. I can tell you that they put a glass box over their walk with the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you that they love the world and the things of the, of the world. I can tell you that they've told the Holy Spirit, you can come this further, but no far. They, you can come this far, but no further. I can tell you that by the fruit borne out, you know, and it's like, what do, what do I do? Where do we go, Lord? Who's going to be to my left and my right? God, who can I fellowship with? Who can I mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice? You know, who can I share in this with? Who can I, with, with the dawn armor, the armor of God, God's literal armor, which is Christ Jesus himself, lock arms and advance your kingdom. God, who, Lord, you know? Yeah, because, you know, I mean, the Lord made me really like, I love fellowship. Don't get me wrong. Of course. Um, but like my heart is always a pr in prayer. Like I am a prayer warrior. Like I am always in prayer. That has been the thing that I've done. So that's always been a very private thing. And you know, the Lord really puts a lot on prayer, obviously. Right. And I want to talk about prayer a little bit because um, I think prayer is absolutely absolutely important. Jesus gives us the model. Jesus is the model. Jesus is our focus. How do you do it, Lord? How do we do this instead of coming up with more groups? Because it's not about starting another ministry. I it's know. not about yeah. starting oh, another man. group. 
Yep. It's about what did Jesus do? Let's look at say, how did Jesus do this? It says, you know, in Mark 135, it says, for he arose a great while before day and went out into a solitary place and there prayed. And prayer to obviously is a vast economy. There's nowhere anybody, I mean, we've read all the great books and everything, but it's when you meet him and you begin to pray with him. My experience with him is the more time you engage God, it's not about having this oratorical, being able to quote this and that. Yeah, it's good if you're a warrior. I'm a, I do warfare when he calls me to it. And so there is um, a workability with the word. He has to have workability in you with his word. Um, but the greatest thing, I think, after the greatest thing, of course, is salvation, eternal life from Christ. But when you think about the privilege, the absolute privilege given unto us, that we can talk to him and he answers us. And when you know his will, it's a beautiful thing. And so what I've noticed is my spirit man gained a sharpness. I became very sharp. I noticed in myself, in my mind, everything was real quick like this. I was able to discern here. It opens up your ear. You know, it says in Isaiah 50 verse 4, it says, For the Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned. He gave it to me. He gives it to you that I may know how to give an answer in season that is weary. He morning by morning, he awakeneth my ear as that of the learned. You know, when he awakens your ear, I'll tell you, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 14, it says, there is as it may be very many voices in the world, right? But there's only one that gives a distinguishable sound. If this sound is not distinguishable, who will know to how, to, how to go out to war, right? And yeah. so it really gives you a trained ear. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's, and this, this will bring everything full circle, you know, and, 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 and as we, you know, get ready to, to close out our time together, it brings us full circle back to Joshua, right? The tent of meeting. That's mm. Joshua had a trained ear because it says, and Mo, Moses used to, used to uh, meet with the Lord as a man meets with his friend. And then he would go out and minister to the camp. But Joshua, his young aide, refused to leave the tent of meeting. He refused to leave the presence of the Lord. He dwelled with the Lord. He abided in the Lord. He hid himself in the Lord. He had a knowing. It's all about this knowing of the Lord. And it was because he spent all the time in the tent of meeting. So at the appointed time when God said, Joshua, I got a mission set for you. Go lead a campaign and take the land. Even though you've never been in a war before, even though you've never wielded a sword before because you just came out, you've been in slavery, you've been in Egypt, you've been in bondage. You never, you don't have a clue about military tactics or tacticians. Oh, and by the way, the land is filled with giants, right? And they devour their own in there and they have great walled super cities. Hey, Joshua, go take it. What was Joshua's response? Aye, aye, sir, good to go, I'm on it. Why? Because... He had a knowing of his God because he spent all that time in the tent of meeting. He did know the Lord's voice. It was sharp. He knew who God was. He knew that it didn't have anything to do with his ability or his strength or his studliness or his youth or his strength or his acumen. He knew that it had everything to do with the Lord God Almighty, the Holy One of Israel. He knew that everything was about the object of his faith. 
had nothing to do with the strength of his faith. And he said, good to go, sir. I'm on it. And it's like, that's exactly what the, those who do have ears to hear need to grow in an understanding and a knowledge of. We need to spend the time in the Lord's presence, spend that time in prayer, discern his voice. I'm telling you, people go, I say, oh, the Lord said, or the Lord told, or the Lord whatever. And I get so mocked and scoffed all the time. It's like, whatever, okay, that's fine. He, he actually speaks with me as a man does speak with his friend. It's amazing. It's right. I don't know. It's, it's beyond comprehension. I cannot believe that the veil has been torn and that I now can boldly and confidently enter into the throne room of grace and I can seek the Lord and ever-present help in a time of need and that I can ask of him <coughs> and I can pray to him and petition him and intercede and do these things, excuse me, <coughs> and have this intimacy with the Lord. It's like, I, I can't believe it. All I say is thank you, God. Praise the Lord. But but I say all that to say that, and I'm sure you could testify to this as well. It is unbelievable how still and how small his voice is. It's like it takes that reduction. It takes the time. It takes the dwelling and the hiding and the biting. It takes the communion, the communing and the and the refusal to leave the tent of meeting. It takes purging the flesh flesh and confession and repentance and worship and these things to break down all those barriers that we build up to hear that still small voice. And when he speaks and as he trains you to hear what's his voice and not your flesh and not the enemy, you'll be undone by how intimate he wants to speak with all of us. Like it's, it's just awesome. It's awesome. It leaves nothing to guess, you know? And so absolutely it's all about prayer. Okay, so in closing, I'm going to let you. Um, I'm going to let you encourage. There's a lot of people that watch this that are. I mean, you know, come on, they're in every situation. There's tons of people that, um, you know, they don't go to church. Some very few do that watch this. Most don't. So, um, you know, they're like, well, we want to be ready. There's older people that watch this that always write to me and say, but what can we do? We're old. Um, there's people that say, I'm taking care of an invalid mother. What can I do? So, you know, to the poor, the gospel's preached. There's, 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 in there, there's a poorness in each of them that are just so like, what can I do in the coming months when it gets really dark? If whatever happens, happens. And, and the worst scenarios shine that light on them because they're listening. And I know them. They're like, but Jamie, what can we do? What can we do while we're all alone? That's that's the number one question that I get as well, too. And you notice that the whole time we've been talking, never once have I referenced age or your estate in life or your infirmities or your woundings or your your place of habitation. I've never once addressed any of that because it doesn't matter. That's why I never address it. It doesn't matter, but I know it does, right? Because in our flesh, we're going, what can I do? Because I get that. That's the number one question I get is like, that's cool for you because you seem young and fit and you have this background and blah, blah, blah. And so like that works for you. But I actually, a lot of people tune out to what I ever have to say because they think it doesn't apply to them mm -hmm. just because of their physical estate in life. And what that does is it com completely reduces who God is. Remember, I said it has nothing to do with you has everything to do with who he is. Almost, almost all the strongholds throughout the history of humanity have been torn down by the weak and weary elderly women who know their God and prayer. 
That's the battlefield. That's where the war is fought. That's where the strongholds are, holds are torn down. It's, it's okay, let's put it this way. For every, in, in the natural, I'll give you an attachment to the natural. I was a trigger puller, right? A door kicker in the Marine Corps. For every one of us guys that's a door kicker, there is, there is 20 plus support and logistics people to make sure that we can be out there kicking doors. 20 to one of us. They have every single job you can think of. This is the type and shadow of the body of Christ, right? So if I didn't have my, my, the admin personnel back in the United States put in the right three letter code in my records, I couldn't be out on the battlefield doing that. If I didn't have the truck driver who worked on the fuel line on the truck to bring water to refill our canteens, we couldn't kick the next door. If we didn't have the bullets, we couldn't kick the next door. If we didn't have food, we couldn't kick the next door. If we, if our radio batteries went dead and we didn't have the ability to replace those and fix our radios, I couldn't kick the next door. If I didn't have the, 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 the eyes in the sky overhead, we couldn't kick the next door. And on and on and on it goes. If we didn't have the letters being written to us by the little old ladies with the care packages of beef jerky and dip and candy and other things being sent to us over there, we would lose morale and we couldn't continue to kick the next door. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's like the body of Christ is powerful. Fulfill your role, not my role. You fulfill mm -hmm. your role, right? And it's like, it doesn't matter tear down strongholds, right? Our weapons are not carnal. They have divine power to the tearing down of every stronghold and false, false pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So here's what I say. This is what people don't like to say. What can you do? Uh, and repentance and rest is your salvation and in quietness and trust is your strength, but you'll have none of it. That's Isaiah 30. Repentance and rest is your salvation and quietness and trust is where you'll find your strength. What did God tell Moses? Hey, Moses, hey, the Egyptians that you see to today, you're not going to see tomorrow. You're not going to see them any longer. I myself am going to fight for you. You need only be still. I'm telling you, it's all about knowing your God. It's not about what you do. It's not about getting up and running out. It's about knowing your God. It's about stillness. It's about entrustedness. It's about quietness, hiding, dwelling, abiding. I keep saying the same things. So whenever your flesh gets stirred and you go, but what should I be doing? What should I be doing? What should I be doing? Say, be still my soul. Be still my heart. Command your faculties like David teaches us. Command your faculties. Be still and know that God loves you and he's good and he sees you and he hears you. Still your soul. Come under the mighty hand of the Lord. Uh, humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. And at the appointed time, he will lift you up. If he's got a physical mission set for you, you're not going to miss it. But maybe his mission set for you is to love that invalid mother or father to provide for them and to be that source of comfort and security when nobody else is around there. Maybe his only mission set for you is men is get off your carnal earthly kingdom pursuits and love your wife and lead your children like the high priest of your household. Maybe that's the only thing he's required of you and you're not even being obedient in that. So get off this wanting to be, <clears throat> you know, I want to be used by the Lord. I want to be used by the Lord. I want to be used by the Lord. How about you be obedient in the little things first? You already know what he's called you to. You know his will for you and you're not being obedient in that. Die to self. 
love your wife and kids, make her radiant, pure, spotless, and be the high priest of your house. How about we do that first, right? So anyways, it's all, we got to reduce our reality and, and come into that place of humbling ourselves, instilling ourselves, and quieting ourselves, and entrusting ourselves to the Lord. That's what you want. That's what we have to do. And I know nobody likes that answer because it's not sexy Christianity. And I don't yeah. use that word offensively to the, to the Lord. I use that word because that's a lot of times people are about doing, 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 doing. It's like, no, it's about waiting, watching, stilling, reducing, obscurity, crushing, Gethsemane. It's all about Gethsemane. It's all about the place of the crushing. That's where the Lord can do his greatest work. And at the appointed time, when he tells you to go take the land, when he tells you to, you're not going to miss it. And when you stand up in his power to go forth and do exploits, you won't take an ounce of that glory for yourself. You won't taint his glory. You won't taint his name. You won't do any of it out from your own carnal understanding and your own strength and your own humanism. It will all be because you know who he is. So that's, that's, that's a long-winded answer. But no, that's good because, you know, so many people just, you know, they're like, I just feel like I'm just so, I don't do anything. I'm like, you're doing it. Yep. You know, um, it says, therefore, brethren, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, brethren, be ye un, uh, always steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, whereas much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Yep. Yeah, that's in vain. It's not in vain. Never in vain. So anyways, um, so we'll end this now. And uh, that was so fantastic. You just have been such a blessing to me. Like I just got so much out of everything you said. I would love to have you back on again sometime in the future. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always down to fellowship. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, because this is that Malachi 316, right? Then those who fear the Lord are found talking with one another. That's it. Exactly. And that's what this is. In fact, um, it's Johnny Stahl's field notes, but when I have somebody on, I call it the Koinonia hour because it's, you know, the Koine, Koinonia. You know, that's, that's how I want it. How is it, brethren, when y'all come together kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, I call this channel, I tell them this is not just pasture this is where we talk about the lord this is where we're, we're you know the ground is all level at the cross okay so uh people are going to be like okay well, how do i get up <laughs> where do i find jamie so maybe you can give them a little background about uh where and of course i'm going to add all of your information in the description box below but um to let them know where to find you and also i know Jeannie wanted me to have you talk about here the watchman thing so go ahead <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, so you can find me and you can find the book with the study guide that actually I, I wrote a study guide for it too, so that we, we can actually solidify our identity in Christ as a warrior redeemed um, at omegadynamics.org. That's omegadynamics.org. And again, that's um, the book is Omega Dynamics, equipping a warrior class of Christians for the days ahead, you know, and it's, it's all centered on a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today. Um, uh, so that's where they can find my, my personal stuff in the book and study guide and, you know, support the ministry. If the Lord, uh, has, has burdened you to support the ministry, then be obedient to it. If he hasn't, then be obedient to that. It's all about obedience. Right. Um, and also, you know, there is a, hear the watchman conference coming up in orange County. Uh, that's in November. Uh, we just got done doing an igniting the fire, which was a virtual conference. It was awesome. Uh, we had a gathering in Missouri re recently. 
Um, I do uh, do stuff with with Mike and Jeannie as well, too, as far as practical, physical preparedness type stuff, just because of my skill set. You know, I do tactical training and emergency family preparedness training and stuff like that. Uh, apart from preaching and teaching, I, I also do that as well, too, just just because that's what the Lord's equipped me to, to be able to offer the body. So so we do offer that as well, too. But yeah, there's a Hear the Watchman conference coming up in Orange County. It's going to be awesome. Amazing speakers. We're going to be gathering together. No stinking mask, right? No fear. Uh, it's not for us to fear men rather than God, right? Uh, we are not going to forsake the gathering of the saints, even more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So uh, yeah, uh, you can go to Hear the Watchman, uh, their website, and find out all the information on that. And we're going to just continue to advance the kingdom. Like we're not, nothing's changed. Have you noticed that? For those who are actually authentic born again believers, nothing's changed. I know. I, I'm not shaken. I don't fear. This is Psalm 112, right? We're not shaken. We have no fear of bad news. Even in darkness, light shines for the upright in heart. We have no fear. Our hearts are secure. We have no fear. We trust in the Lord. That's Psalm 112, right? Like nothing's changed. Our church hasn't shuttered its doors. We haven't stopped gathering together. Our hearts aren't burdened with dissipations. Nothing's changed. For those who are authentically seeking and hungry and thirsting for more of the Lord, nothing's changed. So nothing will change for us even as we advance the kingdom and we find opportunities to gather, to strengthen and equip one another and, and do what we do as a body of Christ. Nothing's changing. Thank you, Thank you so much for being on this show. We, I know I'm speaking for everybody already that we all thank you so much. I know everybody that watches this is going to be like, oh, we really loved it. And um, I don't say that, of course, you're not a man to be flattered. I'm not a flatterer. Um, but I do know the people that listen to this and they're going to just be really edified by this word. And the word always edifies. Um, yeah, praise God. It does. It's the word, right? That's how I'm like, it's just a word. What are we talking about? The word, like we haven't offered really any opinions. And if I had, if we do, we say, I think it's just the word and it's awesome. And it's not going to return void. And when all this burns up, cause it's going to, all the elements are going to burn. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That's why it's so awesome that it's all about and the we, word. According to his promise, do look for a kingdom, right? We look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Amen. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Well, listen, God bless you. Thank you so much. And um, sometimes this, when I hit the stop recording, it may be where I never see you <laughs> on this film again. So just in case, have a great day. But when I hit stop recording and I see you, then maybe I'll see you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sister. Thanks for having me on. Amen. God bless.